On February 9th of 2004, 21-year-old UMass Amherst student Maura Murray disappeared in the White Mountains of New Hampshire in one of the most perplexing mysteries of our time. For years, we have covered Maura's case and the tireless online community that surrounds it in great detail. We have since expanded our mission with this series, raising awareness and shining a light on the stories of other missing persons. We now sit on the board of directors of the nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing, which was founded by Bruce Maitland. Bruce's daughter, Brianna Maitland, went missing from Montgomery, Vermont on March 19th of 2004, just six weeks after and about 80 miles away from where Maura Murray vanished. Private Investigations for the Missing aims to assist with investigations for underserved families whose missing loved ones have been forgotten by the media or by law enforcement. Through our growing community, we hope to shed a light on these cold cases. Families and loved ones can reach out to us at investigationsforthemissing.org. This is Missing. Welcome back to Missing. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? Tim, I'm doing so well. Wonderful day. We got a wonderful episode. Makes me feel even better. How are you? I am doing great. And this, Lance, is a two-parter. We're going to break it up into two parts because we were in Wormtown in person with Jason Watts, case advocate for Brandon Lawson's disappearance and the true crime twins, Chloe and Melina Cantor. We all sat around the blue table in Wormtown, Lance, in the Crawl Space Studios and recorded for about 70 minutes. So we're going to break that up into two parts, and it's a great conversation about the disappearance of Brandon Lawson, and I hope you really enjoy it. And it was so great to be sitting there with Melina and Chloe and to see Chloe looking healthy and sounding healthy and contributing to the conversation and also giving us some indication that True Crime Twins will be back soon. She is on the path back to her recovery, which we are all thrilled about. And then you have Jason Watts, who is contributing even more information about Brandon Lawson's disappearance, more updates. Always a fascinating conversation with him in his tireless efforts to find answers for the Lawsons. That's right, and he came all the way to Massachusetts from Texas, and we even traveled up to Vermont, which uh, you'll hear about on another episode coming up soon. And Brandon Lawson went missing from Bront, Texas on August 9th, 2013. He was 26 years old at the time of his disappearance, 5'9", 230 pounds, with blue eyes, brown hair, and multiple tattoos. If you have any information, please contact Coke County Sheriff's Office at 325-453-2717. Check out the Help Find Brandon Lawson Facebook page for more information. Thank you very much for listening to this. Check out Missing Brandon Lawson. That is a new podcast feed where all of our episodes on the disappearance of Brandon Lawson exist solely, but also you could find the rest of them in the feed, in the Missing feed. And check out True Crime Twins as well. As you said, Lance, they are going to be coming back very soon. So subscribe to True Crime Twins. Link in the show notes. And folks, if you have not purchased your tickets to this Saturday at the Wilbur Theater, 
the historic venue in Boston, Massachusetts. We will be there Saturday night, 7 p.m. with Patrick Hines, Jillian Pensavale from True Crime Obsessed. Also, Maggie Freeling will be joining us. There's still like a handful of tickets left, so if you're on the fence and you suddenly realize, oh, I got Saturday night open, swing on over to thewilbur.com and grab your tickets as soon as you can. Who doesn't want to see Tim and I be absolutely roasted by Patrick Hines? <laughs> it is going to be a real memorable time. It's going to be a memorable show. We're going to be discussing the disappearance of Maura Murray docuseries from the Oxygen Network that we were a part of, Lance, with Maggie Freeling. And uh, there's going to be a special guest there as well. Get your tickets now at thewilbur.com. Few tickets remain. Okay, everybody, thanks a lot for listening. Go to our website at missingcsm.com and follow us on social media at those same handles. Welcome to Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. We are here. I am Tim. I'm here with Lance. What's up, Lance? Well, it's good to be back, isn't it? My I mean, gosh, I'm rejuvenated. I feel energized. Seriously, uh, I never thought that I would be so excited to be sitting in a uh, black curtained <laughs> 10 by 10 square uh, in my life. But that is the case. We are back in Wormtown, in the Wormtown studios. We braved our way through the renovated Kelly Square. That's right. Yep. Kept our eyes everywhere and uh, made it back to the uh, studio. And we are joined by some very, very special people. Three very special guests are joining us here in the studios today. First, we've got the true crime twins. It's Chloe and Melina Cantor. What's going on? Hey, it's Melina. What's going on? I'm happy to be here. I am also happy to be here. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you Uh How's the let, let's get this out of the how's the health talk? I, I think I really feel like people, if you don't mind, um, people have been following what's been going on. And uh, we're looking at you, Chloe, and you look excellent. You look healthy. And um, it's very uh, inspiring to see your recovery. And I think a lot of people are, are dying to hear an update right from you. Well, thank you for saying all of that. Uh, the recovery process it's been slow, but I'm very happy to report that I can walk, which is something I think most everybody, you don't think about it. You've been doing it since you were one years old, and it's very easy to take things like that for granted, but I never will again. It's So I just feel very lucky. I still have you know a way to go. There's some healing that needs to be done in my nerves, but the fact that I've gotten this far, I'm, I'm really grateful. Yeah, it's so good to hear. Um the the recovery rate what what is the recovery rate i believe that 80% of people go on to make a near or full recovery like or they go on to at least like 80% to their um like previous ability the mortality rate i believe is 5% and that's what's you know really scary about this uh syndrome is where a lot of people recover it is deadly and there were times in the hospital where the situation became like pretty scary mm. you know it the nerves also provide signals for your heart so my heart rate 
um, at one point resting was 180 beats per minute, which is just ex extremely high when I felt calm. And my blood pressure like tanked super low. So like the signals mess up your like vital organs. It's terrifying. Wow. Yeah, that is terrifying. Um, well, thank you for sharing and thank you for being here in the Crawl Space Studios again. We're uh, very excited to have you as guests and to see you both uh, walk in and, and so, so healthy. And we're also here with case advocate Jason Watts. What is going on, Jason Watts? You made your way from Texas to be here. I did. I am very much enjoying the sights of Boston and, and Massachusetts. Uh, it's pretty countryside. It's great to be here in Wormtown with all of you. And uh, we got some really cool stuff today. Uh, we're going to update the community on some of the stuff that's been going on in Brandon Lawson's case. We've got some questions that the community has had almost since day one that we're finally able to answer. And we're going to update people on where things are going to kind of go from here. Brandon's case has really gone to a, was at a standstill for a very, very long time. And we were finally able to start doing searches for him early last year. And so we're, we're getting to the point where the gear's rolling again. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to Ledessa and Brandon's family, and we all kind of agreed that, hey, you know, it, it, it's time to update the community a little bit on some of the things we've learned and some of the things we've been doing and where we're going to go from here. Well, that's great to hear. And um, as you said, you started doing searches again last year. So you mean in 2020 you started doing ser searches? Yeah. So one thing that's always, you know, wanted to be done is, is get the search going for him in some capacity. And due to the terrain that's in the area, I mean, it's been talked about a thousand times. The terrain is horrible out there. And so, you know, Ledessa really wanted to try drones there for a long time because we all knew that drones could search a bad terrain somewhat effectively, you know. And so we got the ball rolling on that in late 2019. I invited Lou Barry to to help me out with the case, asked him if he would help me out, and he was he was so gracious. He was willing to, you know, provide his insight. As we all know, Lou is a retired police chief and his experience in this is just unmatched and unparalleled and he he's really smart and he's able to do things that, you know, I I simply can't do, you know, as a private citizen. You know, I'm not a private investigator, so I have to be very careful with what I do. But he's he's able to do those things, and he's very good at it. Well, Jason, why did you decide to come to uh, this area? I mean, coming all the way from Texas, uh, hell of a hell of a trip for you. Well, I was really hoping we'd all get together at CrimeCon, but I mean, that didn't pan out. Life happens; it's just part of it. So, when you guys weren't able to make it down to CrimeCon, uh, I was like, man, I I really want to do something with these guys. You know. And update the community. And I was hoping we'd get to do that in Austin. But, I mean, like I said, life happens. So I was like, you know what? I'll just go to them. Boom. And here you are. In the Crawl Space Studios. In the flesh. Wow. This is exciting. This is exciting. It's. It, I cannot believe I'm sitting in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. I can't believe it either. Like, if you'd have told me in two months you're going to be in Boston with the guys, I'm like, bullshit. No, I'm not. Well, what do you think of the Crawl Space Studios? I mean, don't bury the lead here. Love it. We are nestled in. See, we really are nestled. We, we really are nestled. This yeah. is the uh, definition of nestled. Melina, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. I am happy to be here also. I remember the first time I came here and I was, I like couldn't even speak. I was so shy. Um, I just kind of sat and watched what you guys were doing. So 
it's nice to be in a place where I'm more comfortable almost. Um, I really have no complaints. Life is good right now. I mean, I get it. I get being really intimidated, you know, in the presence of, of, uh, godly creatures wasn't like the first time i met you you're you're not referring to me i'm certainly not a godly creature your podcast royalty (laughs) that's right we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor thanks to our sponsors and now we're back to the program so what kind of searches did you do then in 2020 we started in March, like literally the week before the world shut down because of COVID. Like we did this search and then like on a Saturday, that Friday, Governor Abbott down in Texas locked everything down. So we barely got it in. But we searched uh, two properties in the near vicinity of where Brandon's truck was located. We took over a thousand photographs. Uh, we analyzed them for any evidence. At one point, we thought we had found something. I reached back out to the landowner and asked him if I could come back and check it out in person. And he was more than open. He was so awesome to us. He said, yeah, I'll meet you down there. I'll open the gate. Y'all come back down and we'll we'll check this out. And when I got down there, he actually went with me and helped me find the object that we thought we we had picked up. We thought we had found a tennis shoe. But uh, unfortunately, man, just what it turned out to be was just a, a really odd shaped rock that happened to be in the form of a tennis shoe. And so, like, it was super disappointing. And you were there with Lou Barry? No, Lou was not able to uh, make it down. I mean, he lives in Massachusetts, and like I said, that's kind of right when the world was shutting down. But uh, we thought, you know, maybe this, this was a shoe. And it, it certainly does have that shape. But then when, you get, when I got down there, and I actually had to climb, like, the drone photo is a little deceiving. This is actually a little ravine, and you, and you can't tell. But I had to hike down in here to get to that. Sorry, when you say ravine, so it's like a lower, it's like a yeah, little it's like decline. It, it, yeah, it goes down. Is there water down there? No, there was okay. no water down there. Uh, but when I got down there, this is what it actually turned out to be. Just an oddly shaped rock. How high up was that uh, drone? I think the drone pilot took the photos at 85 feet. Oh, okay. And from what he told me, that's kind of the standard height from which they do stuff like that is about 85, 90 feet. And it's a pretty bright rock. I mean, just looking at the picture, too, it kind of, even the close-up picture kind of looks like it could be like a trash bag or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was a bum, you know, a bummer that it wasn't evidence. But at the same time, it, it left us very hopeful because if there is something out there of Brandon's, like a tennis shoe or a piece of clothing or, or something like that, that drone has the potential to see it if it's in the right place at the right time. You're very limited on when you can sh- do these searches by the drone and really the search we did by foot, and we'll get into that in a minute, because the way the terrain grows down there, like the grass gets so thick that like going through it, to hell with the machete, you need a chainsaw. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. So the best place to really, or the best time, excuse me, really to search for him is right around January, February, March when that winter time has come in and killed a lot of that off. Right. And the shrubbery is sort of less thick at that point, the vegetation. Yeah. A lot less thick. And how deep into the, uh, into the woods was this rock? Man, I don't know. But you had to 60 yards, maybe. Yeah. Okay. You had to hike in to, to get it. Yeah. It was a hike. We had to go uphill and then down back into this ravine. 
And how far from where Brandon's truck was found? Like, was this found? Yeah, mile maybe. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to get a sense of like the radius of your search. Yeah, like, it, it's not unfeasible for him to have gotten to this location. Yeah. Okay. Anything else um, in that vicinity that you were looking at from the drone? We were just really keeping an eye out for anything we could see that stood out to us. And it was it was Lou that found this. He he, he messaged me and he was like, "Hey." You know, this might be something we need to check this out. I have a question about Lou. He wasn't there, but then you sent him the pictures? Yeah. Okay. And then you went back? Yeah. And oh, Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like when the uh, the drone pilot uploaded all of this to a, to a Dropbox link, and then he sent us the link. Oh, okay. Now, I know one question the community probably has is, why weren't these photos released publicly? That was a deal I made with the landowner, that I would not release pu- of course. photos of his property to the public. Yeah. I made that deal with every landowner we shot drone footage over. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes that makes a lot of sense. I get people are interested in it, but I mean there's gotta be some privacy to yeah. account for. I always try to keep like people like that they're they have a right to their privacy. Yeah. And we owe it to them to keep that privacy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, they didn't ask for this to happen. No. One thing I, I'm I'm very happy about is, you know, for the longest time there's been this no searches, no searches because of the liability issue, and, and the landowners have a valid point there. I mean, this terrain is very dangerous. Yeah, so you're saying the landowners have been saying no searching on their property because some of, of them liability? Have, some of them have because of liability issues, and some of them aren't even aware of Brandon's case, if you can believe that. I can believe that. A lot of people that own these properties, they do not live on the property. I found several of them that live in a completely different part of the state. And so I'll, you know, most of the means of contact is I'll send them a letter, I'll tell them who I am, what I'm doing, and if they're open to having a search, reach out to me. And these people got back with me. What incentive do they have to get back to you? And and do you put any link to like things you've done or who how the hell, how the heck do they know who you are? I give them my name and I usually include uh, Brandon the missing poster in the letter. Mm-hmm. That way they can say, "Hey, that way they can see, you know, hey, I'm not joking with you. There's a missing person very much in the that went missing in the vicinity of where your property is. And a lot of the men, they're, it's hard to say what their incentive is, but they do it because they have a good heart and they they want to, you know, help give the family closures. I feel like most people, like, once they're told, oh, this is private property, and I think including law enforcement, that's typically the boundary and you stop. But it's pretty amazing that you're kind of able to push past that place where people normally don't continue and even though these pictures weren't you know they didn't find anything it is kind of ruling out spaces where he could be I think it's really important no I totally agree it's disappointing when you don't find something but you still win because okay now you know he's not here you can focus on here so you know even though you didn't find Brandon you still gain that knowledge knowledge is power power is change and uh, what about other searches? Have you uh, you mentioned se- a few different ones? Yeah, we did the drone searches in early 2020. In July of 2020, we had a really good opportunity come up, and I had just presented it to this different landowner as I was gonna, just going to do another drone search, and he actually said, "No, why don't you just come in and do a foot search?" And this is somebody who lived on the property, or was this somebody who? It's, it was a different property than the drone searches, but yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he. No one lives on that property either. Okay. But he owns it? Yes. Okay. Well, it's actually owned by a group 
Mm-hmm. And then he was the controlling partner. Okay. Th- this particular piece of property that we did the foot search on, uh, it was a property Ledessa really wanted to get back on. And I think for a long time, they just didn't know how to approach it. Like how to, you know, like how do we reach out to the landowner and stuff like that. So Ledessa reached out to the group that owned it and they gave her the name of the controlling partner, the, basically the ranch manager. And she sent that to me and said, hey, well, will you reach out to him and, and see if he's open to it? And so I called him. I told him, you know, he, he acted like he was expecting my call. So I don't know if his boss has told him, but <clears throat> I just presented it as, hey, man, I've been doing these drone searches. Uh, do you mind if I come out and fly the drone? And he was like, I'll just give you full access to the property. Foot search, ATV, whatever you want to do, come on out. I'll open the gate. We'll make it work. We'll make it happen. Now, when you say ranch, is this just how you describe that type of property? Or was it like a, was it a ranch like what I'm picturing in my head with like cattle and horses? There were no animals on this property as far as like livestock. Mm-hmm. It's mostly used for hunting. Oh, okay. Now, what the group does with it, I, I think there may be some oil field equipment on there. So... I didn't see like any drilling equipment or anything like that, but what about like any shacks or houses that might've been empty at the time that Brandon went missing? Well, there are homes on some of these properties, but as I mentioned, a lot of people don't live on them. Uh, they just have like the shacks or the homes for when they come out and hunt. Now you'll see that online all the time. Oh, I see buildings on this property. Right. Uh, they don't a lot of them don't live there right i guess what i was getting at is it is it possible that brandon actually made his way onto one of those properties and entered an an empty shack or a house well when he first went missing the deputy deputy neil he did check a lot of those properties for evidence that somebody had been in there gotten water anything like that he didn't find anything and how many people were a part of this search in july that you did on foot that you're allowed full access to we talked to the landowner in july but we didn't end up doing the search until october one, okay. the terrain, the, as I said, you know, the grass was grown up. Two, it was hot. I did not want to get a bunch of people out there and have people falling out on me because of dehydration and all that. Yeah. How many people ended up going in October? 20, 25. Really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to, we didn't want a whole large number of people out there. I mean, it was October of last year, so COVID was still kind of running rampant. So we decided to keep the number reasonable but low. Yeah. The last thing we wanted to do is go down there and expose Coke County to COVID. That would have been horrible. <laughs> yeah. And I would have felt horrible for it. Yeah. And how did you how did you do it? Was it like you spread out and, and you did like um like a grid search? Yeah, we kind of formed a line six feet apart for each person. And then we just kind of walked it and then we flipped around and came back. Did you have sort of an expert search person? Yeah. No. That's well, that's you. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you that person? <laughs> no, I am not an expert by any means. Uh, I had a private investigator from San Angelo reach out and want to help, and he had done some searches before in the past, not looking for a missing person, but just looking for evidence in general. And so I asked him to come out there and help me, and he was great. Great. So it was his idea to um, sort of walk like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, when when her, he and I kind of collaborated with each other, I said, look, dude, you've got way more experience in this than I do. Will you kind of lead the search and, you know, We'll just kind of support each other out there. And he's like, yeah, sure. What does somebody like that tell you and how do they address the other searchers? Do they say, here's what you have to be looking for. Um, keep your eyes down. Like, how did, how, Was there any sort of introduction into it? He and I both kind of took the lead on that. Like uh, uh-huh. he, he was the one that planned out how we were going to form the line. 
And then I was the one that kind of said, okay, this is what we're looking for. And you were focusing on clothing, keys, you know, things that look like bones. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Unfortunately, man, just so much time has passed. Anything that we have the potential to find is going to be very small. Uh, So you're looking for items that will have survived this long in those elements. Uh, One piece is like the rubber part of the sole of his shoe. That will take a very long time to deteriorate, so you're looking for that. The keys, they'll be rusted, but they will still be intact, so we're looking for that. I think Brandon's cousin, he came out. He had a metal detector, so he was he was running that. Uh, and you're looking for really just about anything that stands out. We we did come across a bone while we were out there, but it was an animal bone. It was fresh. You could tell, it's just, and it was way too big to be to a human. Wait, the bone was too big to be a human bone? Yeah, it looked like a rib bone from a cow. Ah. I mean, it was huge. You could, you could tell right off the bat, no way. Right. Okay. That's interesting to me that you found that. Was there anything else that you found that wasn't even like connected to, to Brandon or just anything that you looked at that was odd? No, not really. Interesting. I think like with the, all those people searching that area, I think it's really fascinating that no one found anything out of the ordinary at all. Well, it, it's possible there was nothing out there to find. Yeah. And another problem is, I mean, I, I sent you guys some of the footage, didn't I? Yeah. From the search. Mm-hmm. That cactus is so dang oh, yeah. thick. Like, you, I'm sure you saw in the footage, there was one point, point where I was like, I don't know how I'm getting around this. And then I look around, I'm like, this is a crap ton of cactus. Like, if he's in there, it's quite possible he was in there and we stepped right over him because it was so thick. We don't think so, but it, that possibility is there just because, like, these cactuses, they'll grow up, and these bushes will be the diameter of a car. And when they die, the leaves just fall over, and then the next season, the new leaves grow up right on top of them. So it just piles up and piles up and piles up. Like, how far – I know we talk about this so much, but I just wrap my I just try to wrap my head around it uh, every time. Like, how far into the woods does it get that thick? Almost immediately, depending on which property you're on. Some properties are a little bit clearer and it's more field, but a lot of them in that area just nightmare. There was one point during the search, it was after we came back from lunch, we went to go into an area and it was so thick full of cactus and and trees and mesquite, I told the private investigator, I'm not sending my people in there. Somebody's going to get hurt. I, I I I cannot be okay with sending someone in there. And so we... We had, we, I mean, we couldn't. There was yeah. no way no one was going to get hurt. And what about animals? Did you see any animals in there? Or wh- what kind of animals do they hunt? You said most of these properties are used for hunting. Deer mostly is the prize animal down there, white-tailed deer. There are wild hogs. I mean, we've talked about that before. But deer and hog would be the main one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have your other, like, raccoons and other little critters out there. But deer and, deer and hog are the the big trophy animal out there. Do you see those when you're out there searching? Oh, yeah. You Both? saw, you well, saw well, I did wild not, We did boars? not see any wild boars while we were there. Like, when we were doing the search, we did not see any live animals. We saw tracks. We found two or three big rattlesnake skins. Yeah, one of them was like six foot long. That's a big snake. I kn- we know they're there. We did come across ho- hog remains. Like, I found a skull of a hog. So they're, they're definitely there. And you can tell where a hog has been because it looks like a plow just came and plowed up the earth. I would instantly leave. If, I, if, if you took me into the woods and you were like, oh, a wild boar just went through there, I'd be out. I'd be more scared of the snakes. 
I'm out either way. <laughs> like if you showed me a six foot snake yeah. skin, I'd, I'd <laughs> probably peace out it as well. Probably well, the deer too. I, I'm terrified of <laughs> even snakes. a white tailed deer. <laughs> <laughs> the the deer aren't what you worry about. They'll run from you. Yeah. When I went out there to do like an initial search of that property, like when I first the first time I met with the landowner. Uh, we we shot the dro- a drone up over this property too, just to kind of give us a basic layout of it. And we were me and my brother. We were walking through this path, and this little baby fawn jumps out in front of me, scares the crap out of me. Like I jumped back, and then the fawn took off running, and I was like, "Well, I'm out of here because Mama Deer's not far away." Yeah. But uh, no, I'm more I'm more so scared of the snakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd wrestle a snake. I'd probably win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. Obviously. At yeah. some point, you know, my childhood hero once said, standing on the opposite side of fear is everything you're working for. And so you just have to face your fears and go for it. I'd probably wrestle the boar with the snake. I'd strangle, I'd choke the boar out with the snake. This I got to see. And I'd, <laughs> then I'd eat them. And we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, okay, so what do you tell your kids when... Yeah, great question. When, yeah. When, like, daddy's going to... CrimeCon like, or like, Massachusetts or Surge. Yeah. Wait, what do you tell them? Daddy's going to look for a friend. That's what I tell them. What do they What do they say? Do they ask about Brandon? Do you tell them? A little bit. Yeah. They're both, like, they're 10 and 6, so they don't fully... The older one may be a little bit more, but the younger one doesn't. She just knows daddy has a friend that no one can find. Hmm. And what about the Colorado River? Were you near that in your searches? And I know this is one of the more common questions that you get or that we see on YouTube is that could Brandon have fallen into the Colorado River and uh, drown and been carried away? That's highly unlikely. Yeah. Why do you say that? The r- I've actually been on the river. Yeah. In a canoe. That river, man, I stick the paddle down goes down about that much, mm-hmm. six inches at most. Mm-hmm. And that is the normal height of that river, unless there's been like a lot of rainfall or I think that river is dammed off in the up in Robert Lee by the Spence Reservoir. They got like a dam. Now, if they open the dam, there'll be a little bit of flow, but I think they hardly ever open that dam. From what I understand, the river used to be really deep. And ever since they dammed it off, it's just, and there's hardly, there's no flow to it. It's not clear water. Is that fair? It's so shallow you can see. You can see to the bottom? Yeah, depending oh. on where you are. When when I was on it in the canoe, there were parts of it you could you could see no problem. Now some of it it's it's lined with like this weird clay like sediment. Like if you guys ever stepped in mud and your foot sinks and you know, you get that weird sound, that's how the bottom of the river is lined. So like could Brandon have crossed it? Yeah. No problem. But as far as like him drowning and getting carried X amount of miles downstream, that is highly, highly unlikely. If someone fell, I mean, people drown in very shallow Yeah, kiddie pool. Depths, yeah, no, that's true. They do. But he wouldn't have been swept away. No, as, no, yeah. he, he, he wouldn't have gone very far. He would have all. Been held and he up. probably would have got. I hate, sound, I hate saying that because it sounds kind of graphic, but like he would have gotten hung up on something. He wouldn't have gone far if if really anywhere and I know they flew over the river and they just didn't see anything in it 